If you're a man listening to this, what steps are you currently taking to develop yourself into the king or the warrior that you can be? If you're a woman listening to this, what steps are you currently taking to fully develop yourself into the queen or the goddess that you can be? Two sort of strange and out of left field questions, but personal empowerment is something that as people we like to really shy away from because we like to think we have it all figured out or we just don't realize the actual real life benefits that investing into ourselves can have for us. Now on today's podcast episode, we're going to be talking about money, freedom, sales, and how all that can go under the umbrella of developing yourself into the best version of yourself or as we're going to be chatting about it in this podcast episode, into a warrior that you can be. Now, my guest today is Josh Dittmer, and I'm going to be introducing him fully in a second here, but just stay with me here. So Josh has been doing door-to-door sales for just over a year now, and he's become a manager after just four months of selling. And the reason I wanted to have him on the podcast is because he has integrated sales into his overall vision of developing himself into a warrior or if that word, again, is a bit too dramatic for you, we can call it developing himself into the best version of himself. Now, as part of the same mission of you know fully developing himself, becoming a warrior, Josh is going to be discussing the massive impact of going through a men's initiation weekend and how that impacted his development as a man and how his ongoing work with men's groups has given him given him the space to develop incredibly tight bonds with other men that, you know, normal friendships just don't allow for. We're going to get into some very sales-specific lessons that he's learned about being an effective manager and a salesperson. We're going to be dispelling the myth of state management. So if you're you're one of the people that loves to manage your state, check this one out. And we're going to be talking about the importance of getting your advice from a very small number of qualified people. So that's just very sales-specific stuff. Overall, you're going to get some very specific tips about how to become a better salesperson, but you're also going to be getting exposed to a whole world of men's empowerment group and how and see how that's affected Josh's ability to become a better salesperson and just a stronger human being in general. So I highly recommend you listen to this through to the end and get all the juice out of this one. This episode is definitely geared towards my male listeners more because we're really going to be going into male. Um, men's empowerment. But if you're a woman, definitely check it out too and find parallels of how you can create a similar situation for yourself as a woman. Check this out. It's amazing. Oh, let's jump into it. Hey, are you a man? I want to go into when I grow up. Don't that. So do we have a deal? Hey, man. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the S Word Podcast. It is absolutely incredible to have you here. So my guest today is Josh Dittmer. Originally from Australia, Josh currently works for TELUS, and he does door-to-door sales through LedCore. He's also the host of the Live More, Regret Less podcast, and that's really a podcast where it's aimed at young entrepreneurs and leaders, and it helps them create a life of strength, freedom, passion, and purpose without having to go through 
the heaps of trial and error. So he's brought on people like Elliot Hulse. He's brought on people to talk about relationships, sex, vulnerability, finding your purpose and passion. And he just has a dope voice too. If you want to check it out, definitely recommend it. Uh, Josh, welcome to the show, my man. Dude, love that. Love that. I feel like there was a little hyper for the voice to come in. Sure. <laughs> All right, man. So Josh, the first things first, we always do this. Well, I should have said always. This isn't always starting from last episode. We do this where I want to ask you what your beliefs were about sales as you were growing up. Because I think even people that are now in sales, they've at one point or another had a positive belief or negative belief about it. Um, first of all, if you had to describe what sales is to little Josh, if he was eight years old sitting next to us on this chair, mm-hmm. how would you describe what selling is to an eight year old version of yourself? I think selling is little Josh, I, little Josh, I think selling is just convincing someone to see things from your point of view and getting them to agree to something that you both come, you know, you both come to an agreement on. Um, so there is an outcome and you both come to an agreement on the outcome. Mm-hmm. I hear that. Now, would your eight-year-old self, would he have liked salespeople as a kid? I didn't really, I was indifferent. Yeah, it wasn't really like a, a big thing in our world because I grew up in a small town and I, you know, spent a few years traveling up the west coast of Australia in a caravan and mm-hmm. in different little towns and stuff like that. So it wasn't like the way that a lot of people see it in big cities, see salespeople. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, once I got exposure to it, it was more like a lack of a skill that I realized I didn't have. You know, like I would try and convince someone to do something. Say when I was a personal trainer, I'm trying to convince someone to buy my packages mm-hmm. and I would say what I thought would get them to buy, but it just didn't work. And mm-hmm. so I was like, huh, I'm not really very good at getting people to do what I want them to do or what is best for them in that instance, you know? Right. So I think it's a really powerful uh, perspective to have is like a lot of people have previous biases about uh, or, you know, um, patterns in their lives that they've created from a negative experience that will stop them from doing something that's good for them today. And I think that sales... You know, if I was talking to little Josh, it's like, dude, little dude, little dude, sales is not just about selling a product. It's about convincing someone, you know, potentially to do what's best for them at that time, whether that is to start eating healthy, to start, you know, moving properly, to start reading books, looking at personal development, stop taking drugs. Like that's all sales, man. And I think, I, I know some other guys have said the same thing on your podcast, but I think it's just like a critical thing is like sales in larger areas gets put in a box of selling a product, whereas we are all salespeople. Totally get what you're saying. What was your, uh, what is your buying patterns? Do you know if, what type of buyer you are? Like, are you a impulsive buyer? You're like analytical buyer? I've made myself more of, uh, not an impulsive buyer, but like I love Grant uh, Cardone and he really taught me to shift my think around money. Like money mm-hmm. is just an exchange of energy. And so if I have hesitation around money, um, if I give myself permission rather to buy things or make decisions quickly, then it allows me to demand that of other people. If I don't do that in my own life and, you know, say door to door, we're coming on someone unannounced, unexpected and getting them to buy something in the moment. If I don't have permission to myself that I can make decisions quickly, 
there's no way that subconsciously I'm going to be like, yeah, you need to buy this now. And they're like, oh, I need to think about it. Like the objection that you get the most is a reflection of the objection you give yourself most in life. Interesting. Interesting. And it's really powerful to write down all of the objections that you're getting in your life and then realize like, holy shit, maybe I need to look at my life. And where am I saying, oh, I need to think about it. Or I need to talk to my wife. I need to talk to somebody else because I'm not confident enough in myself to make the decision. Mm, interesting. Interesting. What was the first way you ever made money? I washed dishes. I mean, obviously I got like a little bit of money from my parents when I did jobs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like very minimal. It was just expected that we worked and did the cleaning and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it was 14. I was washing dishes at a cafe called Artisans. And it was this little, it wasn't usually where you have like a, the dishy in the same kit room as the kitchen and you get to interact with the chefs and stuff. This was like a little storage room. It was hot as fuck and I was sweating. My pimples got really bad and I was just in this little storage room by myself with the radio station. It was horrible. It was like, <laughs> it wasn't very fun. But that was your first paycheck then? Uh, yeah, I remember. i never forget my first day because it was just meant to be a trial day and uh-huh. I was really busy and I didn't get paid and they made me work eight hours. Interesting, interesting. And so what was that like the very first time you actually got a paycheck in your hand? Was that like a big deal for you? Oh, no. I got this money now? No. Or was no. it just like... No, 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 not a big deal mm-hmm. at all. It was a big deal when I made my first $100,000 in a year. But when mm. I was 14, that wasn't a big deal. I was like, okay, like, I guess this is what you have to do. You Interesting. Have to work eight hours in a shitty little <laughs> dishwashing space. I guess the reason I asked that question is I was curious to see what you saw as money coming into your life, meaning at that point versus how you see money coming into your life, what the meaning of that is at this point in your life. Mm. I think my, um, my parents didn't really have like we were middle class. So my parents didn't really have like a, I didn't feel like we were short of money. Mm-hmm. There was things said like money is the root of all evil or like politicians are bad because they chase money. So there were bad ideas. Uh, there were ideas about money that were perceived as bad in my head mm-hmm. um, as a kid and in my, you know, psyche, psyche. And then, so I think I didn't see money as something that flowed easily and money was associated to bad people um, and politicians being those, you know, like there's definitely in Australia, you can pretty much pick a point where the politicians went corrupt. You know, now it's about big farmer and coal and all that stupid shit, mm-hmm. like running the politicians. It's not about the people or the country. And so it's a real stark association emotionally between something that's very real in my life and, in you know, an Australian's life where the politicians are literally just bad people mm-hmm. <laughs> and then money's associated to that. So it's not like money is the root of all evil and you just don't have a real life example to evil. You're like, wow, these are bad people and they're doing it for money. So money yeah. must be bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas now I see money as, uh, it's funny, like Bianca always, uh, my girlfriend, like she doesn't do it anymore, but she used to take the piss out of me about the bracelet that I wear. Like it says, success is my duty, like 10X. Yeah. And I've got the sticker on the back of my laptop and it's really about my responsibility to my future. And so I see money as like responsibility and freedom. Um, it's a it's a freedom game. It's not a money game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm just selfish if 
I don't take care of my finances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge, man. Now you've been doing lead core for the past year. And just for anyone that doesn't know, how does lead core really relate to Shaw exactly? Sorry, to tell us exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we relate to Shaw by dominating them. And <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> we uh, so we do end to end. So we do the installation through the street of the fiber optic network. We do the drop to the house. So we run a fiber cable to the house. We get permission for that. We do the sale, we do the installation, and then we do the maintenance. And gotcha. so I managed North Vancouver and uh, Deep Cove. Nice. That just got uh, released this week. So we're going there fresh. And that uh, all, that whole territory is lead core end to end. So there's like no tel- actual TELUS technicians that run around there doing servicing and things like that. So that's how lead core relates, relates to that. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Now, so you, you started off at LetCore just being a rep, but when we talked a little bit before, you told me that you actually rose up to the management position relatively quickly, especially for um, anyone at LetCore. I believe you've been the second fastest rep to rise to a manager position. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty quick. Um, yeah. I'm not sure specifically whether it was yeah. fastest, second fastest, whatever. Um, I started in December. I did drops through January, December and January. So drops is where you get permission to run the fiber line for the technician just to step on the property and run a, run a line from a telephone cable to the side of somebody's house. And you essentially just go, hi, my name's Josh. I'm working with Telus, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm just here to get your signature to say we can step on your property. So mm. I did that for about a month and a half. Uh, my first day of sales was in a big gladiator, so a sales competition. Um, and I actually made some sales, like I surprised myself and I was like, holy shit. And then four months later, I was a manager. Yeah. What was your very first sale like? Uh, it was really, that first day was really, really cool. Um, it was like, it was three days of selling. And we, the very first sale was just like messy because I didn't know how to use the iPad. I didn't know yeah, anything. Yeah. I was just winging it. It was a bit of a rush. It was fun. Uh, but I remember it was raining. It was cold. I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? My arm hurt from holding this iPad all the time. And... <laughs> in this like crocked position, like you know how a, wait, a waiter holds a plate? Like it's like, are you holding your iPad like that, you know, around? Yeah, yeah. And you get this uh, cramp when you first start. Now, now I'm used to it, but I, I just remember the day because I kept watching this video by, by Grant and it's about persistence. And it's like persistence is what separates the people that get what they want in life from the people that don't. And he says that... Those who persist, like get what they want, and those who don't, do not. And then the magic happens where most people give up. So most people give up just before the magic happens. Mm-hmm. And I just would go back to the van. Like I had this van when I was driving like seven people around. <laughs> it was like this shitty beater. It was so funny. And I kept going back and just would watch this video. And I'd be like, okay, I got no idea what the fuck I'm doing, but okay, and just get out of the car, start knocking again. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I didn't even know how to do a migration, which is where you don't even sell somebody. Mm-hmm. You just migrate someone from copper to fiber and it was all overwhelming it was all really large and scary and i just winged it and it happened (laughs) i remember my version of that i didn't have a grant video but there was this one graphic i had on my phone of two dudes and they're in the bottom of the ground and they're uh using this pickaxe to pick at the Mm. pick at the mud and you can see from like this omnipotent uh um, omnipotence point of view um that there's like this big pile of diamond here. 
and there's this one crazy dude that's just like fanatically going at it. And then there's this other dude that if he just put one more axe at the mud, then that separation between the mud and the diamond would break. And he's just like at the other, he's like the other way going back, like kind of like, you know, crouched over and stuff like that. So I would have that, that graphic and the Eminem song, Till I Collapse, those two. And be just like listening to this in... Surrey, it was raining. You have to make sure like your phone, your iPad doesn't get water on and stuff like that. So I totally get what you're saying. Now, okay, so you had your first sale, the Gladiator competition. You became a manager and it's been about a year since then. You remember back in the day how you were kind of like, you know, getting to know what the sales game is versus how you are now. How would you say Josh as a salesperson has evolved over this last year of knocking, managing, everything that you've been doing. How would I say I have evolved? Yeah, how have you seen yourself evolve? Has it been a lot of just your techniques are getting better? Um, you're able to manage your state better? Like how have you seen your own evolution over this time? Uh, I think the state management thing uh, comes a lot to like the physical stress and that we have on our bodies, like whether we're eating properly, we're sleeping, we're moving properly, like those sort of things, you don't need to manage your state if your body's in alignment and you're in alignment with your biology and your physiology. Uh, I think that, you know, like we talk about these sort of things as if they're like hot topics and like, oh, managing my state. It's like, you don't, you shouldn't feel anxiety every single day. We shouldn't feel like fear and this Im immense pressure like these are outside influences, external influences on our physical body that cause us to have an emotional response. Mm -hmm. And I think that we, especially in the personal development, people in the personal development and personal development world, like we look at those things as in like a necessary piece. And it's like you watch someone smoke a pack of cigarettes and punch a red, like three Red Bulls in a day or punch a couple of coffees and you know, not go to sleep until two o'clock in the morning, wake up at 11 or 10 o'clock, you know, in the AM again. And it's like, of course you're going to have to manage your fucking state. Yeah. Do you know totally. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so I think like realize like having that awareness and then being like, okay, like how do I want to feel on a day to day? What do I want my baseline to be? Mm -hmm. Has it's just been refining those things has made me a better performer in general mm -hmm. in my life because I'm not wasting my fucking time managing my state every single day. And so I would say, you know, in that regard, that's where I, the path that I've taken to put my attention on other things. And now my attention lies mostly on increasing my skills and being more empathetic. I'm quite bullish. Uh, people love to call me hypermasculine. I like being hypermasculine. And I can be, you know, quite aggressive and that sort of stuff, not to customers, but just in my general life, in my general uh, outtake of life. And I think that the way that I have changed or the things that have changed in me, I think is a refinement of your question, is increasing my skill set so, and learning how people want to be treated. I think that's the most phenomenal thing is like we don't even know how people want to be talked to and how mm -hmm. they want to have a sale completed. When you have a good sale, man, like – People are shaking hands. They're like kissing babies. They're like throwing streamers in the air. And like, you know, they're writing good yeah. reports to tell us about, wow, this person treated me so well. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to start this. It's fucking internet and TV, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not rocket science and it's not something to like have a celebration about. 
it's the interaction with the human being that they have a celebration about. And so learning that it's about people to people mm-hmm. and just having a real conversation with someone and learning how people want to be spoken to and people want to be dealt with in a selling, selling situation mm-hmm. is the biggest thing that has changed over that period of time. How did you go about that? Because that's something that uh, was huge for me too. In the beginning, I thought, okay, I'm the type of salesperson that um, this demographic of people loves loves me and then this demographic of people doesn't love mm. me. But that's a limited paradigm because what that was really saying is, I know how the selling blueprint of this type of person works. And when that type of person interacts with me, that magic happens when, you know, they're shaking hands and everything like that. You know, I would be selling alarms. Um, how did you go about figuring out how this type of person wants to be treated versus that type of person wants to be treated? I think the best content I've come across in that regard, there's only really, there's only two people I listen to, which is Chris Voss and Grant Cardone. And I just cycle through it. Yeah. And, you know, there are, I read books every every day. Um, and you know, from different authors, but the, the content that I consume, like I think Chris Voss is the best at that. It's mm-hmm. about people being like, when you finish with someone by using his, uh, understanding of, so Chris Voss was a FBI negotiator, um, the head of the FBI negotiation, special task force, whatever he did, all these phenomenal things, um, you know, like saved, uh, in Colombia, it was like, they had demands ransoms for like. $20,000, I think, or like $50,000. And he got them down to like a hundred bucks and nobody wow. was Wow. You know what I mean? And he yeah. wasn't even in the fucking country. And it's like, <laughs> wow. it's amazing. It's amazing. And so he takes these techniques that he learned and applied them, you know, into negotiation um, because that's what he's doing. He's negotiating. Uh, the book that you should read is called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. And uh, it really, really revolutionized the way that I look at how people want to be spoken to mm-hmm. and what it takes for someone to be heard. Uh, I don't really class people too much into like the, the blueprints like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, in my head, I'm like, okay, I've missed something here. This person doesn't feel heard. They don't feel in control. Mm-hmm. And so then they feel like they're being shuttled down a particular direction to a final yes. Yeah. Like people do, one of the most amazing things is that I learned from him is like, People don't want to say yes to you. Mm-hmm. Hi, my name is Josh. Uh, like, are you currently with Shaw? Uh, yes. Okay, great. And uh, do you did you know like that we were running the fiber optics for the neighborhood? Yes. And so we get taught and trained to go for yes. Yeah. Whereas a no is more important because someone feels in control. You don't want to herd someone down to the to a sale. Like you don't want to pressure someone into a sale. Or, like. I don't think pressure is bad in a lot of instances, but you don't want to like, you know what I mean? Shuttle yeah, them down to a particular yeah. direction like with their hands like on the paper mm-hmm. and the pen. It's like a good customer is one that feels in control and like they've made the right decision. Mm-hmm. You know, and that sort of thinking is like, we didn't don't think like that because that's just not how we were originally taught. And so once someone teaches you something different, you're like, oh, well, that makes sense. Now I'm going to operate in that way instead. We were talking a little bit about how it's much easier for a person to say no, like you were saying now, than yes. Like if I tell you, would it, Josh, would it be absolutely impossible for you to come over to my house for a podcast today? You would say, no, it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't come. What is a couple ways that you actually use that in your sales cycle? Let's say when you first knock or when you're Mm -hmm. closing or what are some practical ways? My favorite, favorite line is, um, 
Uh, hey, mate, my name's Josh. How you doing? Good, mate. Yourself? Good. Good stuff. I'm really well, thank you. Um, so I'm just working with the TELUS on the fiber optic project here. We're just coming back after we did the installation to the side of your house. We just ran a fiber line to the outside. Do you remember that happening? The guys came by in the summer months? Uh, no, I don't remember that, no. Okay, cool. Well, it happened anyway. I'm um, just back now. We're just doing a follow-up from that. This is phase two. But have I caught you at a bad time? Um, yeah, I just got some chicken cooking, but not really. No, it's all right. Okay, sweet. And so in that instance, like you mm -hmm. find out like if yes, a bad time. Yes, mm -hmm. you just make an appointment and come back. Like what's yeah, the worst yeah. that fucking happens? Yeah. And in the other instance, like no, now's not a bad time. Mm -hmm. They can rest easy because they're like, hey, yeah, I've actually, like, I'm cool. Yeah, let, let's mm -hmm. chat. And you've just given control to the customer. And it's like, it's not an illusion of control. It's just like literally giving them, handing the reins to them so they can relax and let their guard down and have a conversation with you. That's super cool because the rhetoric that mostly you hear is get them on the yes train, like yes, 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 yes. And I still think that is important at some points in the sale, but you also do want to have them feeling in control and not feel like they're, they're just like, you know, they're the horse and you're riding them down this path that they may or may not uh, benefit from at the end of the day. And I think that the main, one of the main things is to, re to realize is that like people are outside of their comfort zone when they're talking to you. And as door-to-door -door salespeople, we think that we are in their element because they're in, the, they're in their home, they're in their house. Like they're completely out of their element and out of their comfort zone talking to you on the porch. And I think that in any sales situation, if you can remember that and realize that perspective, it allows you to be so much more empathetic. Mm -hmm. Now, sales in general, learning sales, especially door-to-door -door sales, is difficult by nature. If you ever talk to anyone in, let's say, that's done, you know, storefront sales or cold calling and you say, I've done door-to-door, -door, they're like, oh, no way, door-to-door, da-da-da, that's crazy, da-da-da, all this, that, the other thing. Uh, at any point in your journey, did you either underestimate or overestimate the amount of work it would take to get good at sales? Like maybe you thought it would take you way longer to make your first sale and then you actually got it quicker or you thought you would be able to handle objections way better than you could have, but it actually, you were, you sucked and you had to work harder at it. Mm, not really, to be honest with you. I just, it took the amount of work that I thought it was gonna take and still does. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I underestimate it because I'm constantly reevaluating myself and being like, okay, I'm obviously not training enough to get the results that I want. So now I just need to train more or, or role play more or figure out what the missing piece is. Mm -hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I don't think I went in with a false uh, perception. Gotcha. Or estimation. Uh, what have been some of the, let's go with two. What has been one of the best days of your sales career? It could be money-wise. It could have been not money-wise. Maybe you just had an awesome customer. And what's been one of the worst days of your selling career this far? Mm, I think my favorite was I had an extreme accountability group with some friends last year and we set targets. And one of my mm -hmm. targets was to make $400 a day. I set it at 250 and then I was like, fuck it, I'll do 300. And I was like, you know what? I need to make it 400. Fuck, I'll make it 400. And I was like, oh shit, that's $400 a day. That's a lot of money. Like, holy shit. And I was like, okay. And I did two days, uh, at, made it. And then if in this accountability group, we got a punishment if we didn't hit our targets or we didn't do the things that we said we were going to do that week. And one of my friends, Joey, he had a punishment to eat a ghost pepper. And I had a punishment already if I failed. Yeah, I hadn't failed. So I, had a, I was going to have a punishment. 
and he was like, okay, if you fail, like we'll do it. We'll do a commission day tomorrow. Whoever loses has to take the other person's punishment. And so mine ended up being like I had to stand downtown with a megaphone and say, I have a small penis for a minute. <laughs> and his was he had a ghost pepper. And so I sure as hell didn't want to eat the fucking ghost pepper. I didn't really care about the uh, megaphone thing. I find that kind of funny. But we had this competition and I went out the next day and made my first $1,000 just off commission. No, no salary, no overrides, no... Uh, spiffs, which is like, you know, incentives where you get extra right, money, yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. And I just made a grant in like six hours. And that was so sick. It was such a cool day. And then the fact that I beat Joey, I made like 1300 bucks and he made 1100 mm-hmm. And so he had to eat a ghost pepper and also go downtown and tell everyone he had a small penis with a megaphone. Oh, uh, hilarious. Uh. So double win, <laughs> double win for me. And I recorded it on our sales page of him eating the ghost pepper and then he like spewed, it was hectic. I was like, wow, that was really intense. <laughs> I felt really bad. And, uh, but it was hilarious. But what was that day like for you? So you were going into this day just having that fire under you that I have to make it happen and be Joey today. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going customer to customer. Like what was the last customer like? Because you were probably on fire by the time you met that last customer. It just felt like I was just having conversations and it was a good idea and people were believing me. Mm. It wasn't like I was like like whipping out all these like ninja moves and like flipping through the fucking grass and like over someone's <laughs> over someone's <laughs> chair on the table and be like this is the price like anything like that. I really just I got real with people and I was just in flow and I was like look and then people would object and I was like come on man like you and I both know this is a good idea let's get this done so you can put your attention on the other things that need your focus. Beauty, beauty. And they're just like you're right and I'm like I am right. Come on, let's roll. You know and. Uh, I think the worst day was I don't really think there's any like horrific days the worst days are not when I try really hard I've had like in the last six seven months I've had like two days where I've got nothing completely nothing Mm -hmm. and I those days I really worked really hard I made appointments you know that set me up to make money during the week Mm -hmm. and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and I bastard bastard hard to make those days like happen and it didn't happen and I was devastated, but it, well, they weren't the worst days. The worst days were where I was like, wow, I made no money today because I was just lazy as fuck. Gotcha, yeah. And that's disappointing. Mm-hmm. So that makes that the worst day. I hear that, I hear that. Uh, now we talked a little bit about mentors just a few minutes ago. You said, I only taught, I only listen to Grant Cardone right now and Chris Voss. Um, and we had talked another time about how you've really limited your sources of knowledge to just these two people. Why do you think that's important? Because for someone listening, you know, a lot of salespeople, we have access to like 10 different uh, mentors out there. You have Brian Tracy, Grant Cardone, Jordan Belfort, Dan Locke, all these different people. Why do you think for you it was important to just stick to the two, this two people specifically for yourself? I, uh, because there's so much conflicting information and the, it's in, like, I love this topic because it's like, there's so much conflicting information in the minutia and the little things that they say and the things that we don't Mm -hmm. pick up moment to moment that are just, you know, flooding into our brain and changing our perception. So when you're listening to someone that has a different perception or perspective, sorry, of what you're meant to do, then you're going to get wires crossed and it's just not going to make as much sense in your head. And then Mm -hmm. you just, you might not like not attain success, but it's going to happen so much slower. And it's like, 
I'm a huge believer in looking at someone where they're at in their career and are, are they at a point where you want to be, but are they still working? Are they still doing the things mm-hmm. day to day that they preach? And it's like, do you know what I mean? Like there's lots yeah, of people 100%. that are like well off, but, and they talk about, you know, like being happy with what you got, money's not everything and all that sort of shit. And it's like, they've already made their billion dollars. Like they have the comfort and the support for them to say money isn't everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. It's fucking yeah. retarded. And it's like so many of us like listen to people that are not walking the talk. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the most important thing. It's so important. That's why I love Grant because mm-hmm. he's a Grant, Grant, Grant. He, I like that, that dude's still out selling. You know what yeah. I mean? He's still, he hosts the freaking podcast and live show like three, four, five times a week. You know, and he's still getting on the plane at four o'clock, three o'clock in the morning so he can go talk to a group of salespeople and doing all this shit. Mm. And it's like, dude, like the guy's 60 and he's still out there hustling. Like, I'm not going to listen to someone that is just sitting in their office and they're like telling you like the, the money isn't everything piece is huge because they've got the money. So they don't mm. have that pressure anymore. They don't, they're not feeling the, you know, they're not feeling the fire under their ass. And I think... Yeah, looking at someone who has what you want, you know, like I, I have this mentor, Dave, um, in, in my real life, who I, he's helping me to build a business at the moment. And I've got like an exit strategy, you know, over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, has, does he have the life that I want as far as his relationship, his impact in the world, his financial situation? And has he taught other people in worse situations than me or stupider than me to do the same thing? The answer is probably yes. You know what I mean? That's a good question to ask. Like, are there people that are dumber than me, less driven than me and less dedicated than me that have made this work? The answer is usually yes. Mm -hmm. So it just comes down to commitment, drive and persistence. And I think we lose the commitment, drive and persistence if we're listening to different sources. Yeah, you're being pulled in five different directions at once. So you just get stuck exactly where you were before. Yeah, the, the, one of my favorite quotes is, the man who chases two rabbits catches none. Mm, that's cool. Who said that? Uh, it's like an old, it's a Taoist saying, but it's from uh, The One Thing by Gary Killer. Interesting, interesting. That book is next level. Next level. Because it just teaches you to do one thing and stop being a fucking idiot and doing 20. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so you got Grant and Chris Voss. You kind of touched on your mentor here, but I'm curious also to know about any specific um, salespeople that are peers at your level that in any shape or form, there's something you admire about them. And I say this because oftentimes we get advice from people that are higher level than us and it's incredible for long-term vision, but it's also really great to learn something that's from someone that's at your level because you can really tweak these things here and there, like the small things. Is there someone in your sales group that you're currently working with or you have worked with that really had um, an element in them that you you were inspired by and then you wanted to copy, model, learn from, anything like that? Yeah, I think for me, I, like when I had a look at this question, the first person that came to mind was this guy called Roberto Su. Shout out to Roberto. You're a fucking legend. Um, thank you so much for all the things you've done for me and the success that have come out of our relationship. The reason I say this is he gives a shit about his people. And, you know, he was my manager when I first started. 
And that guy, I think, has had a greater impact on a lot of people in the company than pretty much anybody else. He just has this like really, he's not even a manager anymore. He's like doing um, a different thing with the MXU department and like, you know, getting strata councils to approve massive buildings and stuff. Uh Uh-huh, okay. But the impact, when everyone talks about Roberto, they're like, oh, I love Roberto. Like he's like, oh my God, that guy's amazing because he just genuinely cares about what's best for you. He doesn't Mm. give you the easy answer. He gives you the truth and the, you know, the answer that you need to hear. And oftentimes that's not even answering your question and telling you, you know, the answer. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're like, no, Roberto, I'm coming to you for advice. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, but you know what to do. And you're like, fuck, dude, just fucking tell me what the fuck to do, man. <laughs> like, I don't want to work at this shit. Like, come on. <laughs> and he, yeah, yeah, that, that really stuck out for me. And it made me realize like, wow, we don't always remember the people that were the best or, mm. you know, the highest performers. He was, he's the only person that's gotten two pens, which is like you have a pen day is like a monumental amount of sales in a day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's gotten two of them. And... We don't always necessarily remember the people that are the best or the highest performing or, you know, that sort of thing. It's like who had the greatest impact on us? Mm-hmm. And that is something that I have wanted to emulate in my life because I am good at trying to be the best and just telling other people to be the best instead mm-hmm. of actually being like, what does this person need in this moment? And I think that's a really beautiful segue into the next topic, which is management. So a lot of salespeople, they learn how to be great salespeople, but it's also a, it's always a good saying that the, a great sales rep is not often always the best manager and the best manager is not always the best leader. That's why when the sales rep gets usually promoted to the management position, he, he was really good at making sales, but all of a sudden he's like shaking now because he doesn't know how to manage. Um, first of all, in your opinion for yourself, what do you think allowed you to rise to management level in that short period of time just to begin with? I was continuing on something I did in Australia, which was accountability groups. Mm-hmm. And so I think that stood out within the company is just like, I put so much of my free time unpaid into helping other people be better. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not necessarily the greatest sales trainer um, and I may not be the greatest sales person, but I'm fucking good at building leaders. And mm-hmm. I'm great at bringing the best out of somebody whether that's to be a great salesperson, but also to be the best leader and pull that piece out of them. Mm -hmm. And so I think that really stood out for the people who were above me and, you know, saw that potentially in me. And Mm -hmm. I've uh, got, you know, two coming up to three of my guys promoted into leadership positions in the last six months. So for someone listening right now, let's say they've just been promoted to a leadership position in their company, whatever door to door it is, or maybe they're now a manager of a sales floor. What were some elements that you think uh, practically you implemented that helped them become leaders themselves or really train this leadership into other people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got this one from Anas Dowd, um, who is just an amazing human being, great leader, great salesman, phenomenal leader. And... I think the missing piece is that like motivation doesn't precede results. You need to get results to maintain motivation. And if your people aren't making sales, they're not going to stay motivated and everyone's going to suck shit. 
you need to work on the skills and getting people up to par so they can start to make money, they can start to feel good about themselves and then they feel motivated about themselves, they motivate others around them and it's just an ongoing um, snowball effect. So if I hear you right, if you get a, get a situation in the office where the sales are low, you don't implement a pump-up ritual to get them pumped up for the day. Maybe that'll help them make more sales. You go figure out what do you need as far as information, what do you need as far as information provide that to them so they have the tools to go make better sales. Is mm-hmm. that a yeah, good definitely. way to understand it? Yeah. And now in this past, um, how long have you been a manager for? Uh, it will be a year in May. What oh. were some, what were a couple things that you'd, you'd say were learning lessons for you that along the way you were like, this approach would work and then it flopped and you learned something from it. That would be the biggest one. Hands down, the motivation piece that I just spoke about. Hands down. I'm a rah-rah dude and I love uh-huh. like high fives, pumping up the boys, let's fucking go. Yeah. And yeah, it just like people are not, they haven't had the background that I have and the thank, I'm thankful like so much that, you know, like fishing or, you know, things in my life, whatever it was, I don't really know, that allowed me to build a work ethic of just getting it done. Mm-hmm. And I think self-talk, and telling myself I'm a legend and you know pumping myself up when no one else is around really helps with that. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have a good internal voice. But I think that the yeah, the understanding mm-hmm. that motivation doesn't precede results. Now, so that's a really great segment again into the next topic, which is your journey in self-development and self-empowerment. So I've known you for about six, eight months for a short period of time, but and I've gotten glimpses into the fact that you're also very involved in personal development, personal empowerment. And from the outside looking in, it's, it seems like you're on this quest, similar like a hero's journey or a warrior training where you're not just doing a job to make more money, it has more purpose behind it. Or you're not just doing a podcast to you know, talk to people there is a purpose behind it. Just for anyone listening, um, what has been really quickly your journey in personal development? Uh, what what form has that taken for you? Mm, where would you like me to start? Like where do, where does it start? I don't know where it starts. <laughs> I think that I love this topic and I love the fact that as soon as you say warrior and that you know, being on a quest, I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm on a horse, like with a suit of armor and a sword, let's go. <laughs> like, I just really, I really love that uh, imagery in my head and I see myself as a warrior and I really relate to that archetype. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, for me, I always felt like a lack in my life when my dad left at 11 and I really felt that it was just a, just a missing piece. It wasn't masculine direction in my life mm-hmm. and it's important to have that. And I, so I tried to start a men's group. It all started with listening to Elliot Hulse on his freaking, you know, when I was like 14 and I was like, breathe into your balls. And I was oh, like, yeah. what does that even mean? <laughs> I haven't even, like, my balls haven't even dropped yet. Like shit. <laughs> and I really started to move in that direction. So I started a men's group uh, when I was like 16, 17, I think, maybe 18. Um, my brother, our best friend, Munro, and I, and all we did was talk about how Munro managed to date this super hot chick that we'd known since we were little. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much all we talked about. <laughs> and I sought out uh, a men's initiation weekend in Queens, uh, in Sydney, sorry, in, so the other side of Australia, like 2,000 kilometers away. And I, you know, moved over to 
the other side of Australia, not moved over, but my brother and I flew over. Mm-hmm. Um, we were gonna, trying to get Munro to come with us, but he didn't. And that sucked. You know, looking back, our lives have taken different paths. Um, and I know that that was a catalyst for my brother and I to have different mm-hmm. different lives and different drives. And yeah, I got exposure to the challenges that I was looking for as a man, mm-hmm. as a boy wanting to be a man. Mm-hmm. And it really just shifted, it cracked something in me that I was looking for. And I think so many of us have this seeking and this yearning for freedom in our lives. Mm-hmm. And as men, when we get trapped in a corporate structure or trapped in our lives, trapped in a relationship, like I think trapped is a word that we would use, but that our partners would not use. And that, you know, women in our lives are like, why do you feel trapped? That's ridiculous. But mm-hmm. the masculine wants freedom. The mm-hmm. masculine wants to feel the edges of the earth behind him and know that he can go out into the wilderness and scream and yell and run wherever he wants to. And without this knowing and the understanding of how to get there, then we start to feel trapped Mm -hmm. and we start to feel like we're in a cage and we're a wild man stuck behind bars. Mm -hmm. And we become dissatisfied with our lives. We just wake up, we do the nine to five, we do the boring shit without really getting in touch the edges of our potential. And that took me off onto a trajectory of really how do I feel like I felt when I was on the fishing boats, when I was on, you know, I lived on the ocean Mm -hmm. in Queensland and I was like, whoa, this is freedom, you know? And the external environment gave me freedom. So how do I find that internally so I can go out and do the things that I want? What form did that take for you? These men's groups? um, Was it more just accountability? Was it, I know the first one was just about how this dude got to get with this other chick. But eventually, as it evolved more and more, what were some activities or rituals or if you can share? Yeah, so the uh, men's initiation weekend is uh, very much uh, shrouded because it adds to the experience when you don't Mm -hmm. know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, And so it was challenging, one of the best and hardest things I've done in my life. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing was that I'm I'm imagining, you know, a lot of you listeners are around about our age is like most of the guys were past 30. Mm Mm-hmm. And they were stuck at a maturity age of 15, 16, 17, 18. Mm -hmm. I was 20. My brother was 19. And we were the youngest there by at least 10 years. And I think something that you need to get in your head if you're listening is you need to have an experience of coming of age. The Hero's Journey by Joseph Campbell is a universal and uh, myth that is carried throughout all religions, uh, times, cultures, countries, and they all follow the same story arc. If you don't go through the hero's journey, you do not break past that age. And it is just a mind-blowing thing to see men who are in their older years repeating the same patterns and making the same mistakes that they've made their whole lives. It's crazy. Like um, my father, he went to the army. He didn't fight any wars, but he got initiated into the army and he did the training there. So many men, few generations ago, they had some sort of a ritual. Even nowadays in places like Africa, you have like I saw this one video of this um, tribe in Africa where as this initiation process, they go up on this really tall tower like wooden tower that's built and they do this sort of a bungee jump where they jump and the 
the rope that's attached to them it's like a is vine. maybe like yeah vine yeah <laughs> it's just maybe like you know half a meter above the ground maybe like 30 centimeters above the ground so it literally yanks them up as their head is about to hit the ground and it's all built so that they face that fear they don't die most of the time but it's just built so that they face that fear and then after that they're initiated into manhood mm. one of the most beneficial experiences of my life was joining a fraternity apart from all the bs that's surrounded in the movies and like the parties da, 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 the actual experience of getting initiated into fraternity just like what you were saying is like most difficult thing you'll ever do but also one of the most beneficial things you'll ever do now how did that um continue after that initiation like did you do any ongoing involvement in men's groups or did, was it just kind of that initiation yeah that, yeah, yeah. yeah? Yep. So from then on, um, you get a drum and you get these little, uh, like it's like a kilt almost. Mm -hmm. And then you all gather around a fireplace and you, you sing Kumbaya together. <laughs> Not at all. Um, so yeah, you, we were, there's a thing called a weekly eye group through the Mankind I Project. So I was like, you were like, what the I fuck? Was like, I was listening to, oh wow, you have a kilt on now? Like, let's see. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you have a week. We used to have with the Mankind Project, which is a big global organization. You have weekly iGroups and mm -hmm. it's run by volunteers. Like I love that organization. The initiation is amazing. I think the one of the hardest things is that it's run completely by volunteers and nonprofit. So the structure around the iGroups and the integration groups after is not as well uh, formed as the group that I'm in now, which is the Samurai Brotherhood in mm -hmm. Vancouver. And uh, also in Montreal, and is like I've been doing it consistently pretty much since I was twenty twenty one, around twenty twenty one, and I'm twenty five now. So four years mm -hmm. have you know had a six month break, what, maybe when I was traveling and a little bit in Sydney, but not really like mm -hmm. not much of a break. And it is by far one of the most valuable pieces of personal development just to be able to share in a in a held container. Uh, what's going on in my life and then get feedback, honest feedback from men looking at me from a subjective viewpoint rather than an objective viewpoint and people mm. who aren't afraid to call you on your shit mm -hmm. and who have been through the same things that you have, you there's a level of trust there because you know that these men have been through... The, well, this guy I interviewed a couple of weeks ago, Joss Biggins, he was like, he's like, yo, he's like, yo, man, like... The people, he's like, if we've starved together, we can feast together, man. And it's like, you have to go through the hard shit to be able to celebrate together. Of course, yeah. And Otherwise, it's not worth it. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And that's how you real, build real relationships. So to answer your question, like, yes, there has been a continual mm -hmm. growth through iGroups and, you know, men's groups weekly. And then I would just really want to amplify the structure and the value I've gotten from the Samurai Brotherhood is nothing I've ever experienced in my life. Wow. It is a step above and it really is like I was talking about it with some of the guys. I was like, this is pretty much like half the reason I'm staying in fucking Canada is you guys. Wow. Like, wow. I've never felt been around guys who are on a completely different level than me and also at the same time, the same level. Like we all have something to bring. Mm -hmm. And it's like now I've got a group of like 20 dudes who I know I've completely got my back. Wow. That's incredible. Most people have got two fucking friends. Yeah. And the confidence, think about the confidence that that gives you 
to go out and perform in your daily life. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about the functional patterns thing. It's like, yeah, my body feels good. I don't have any of that stresses. And my, so I'm at this new level, this new baseline. But then again, I've got 20 people who I have looked in the eyes and see as a warrior. Mm-hmm. The same way I see myself, like this man is a warrior and will die for me. He will bleed for me. You know, we think, oh, there's extreme things. Like this is how we used to live. Mm-hmm. And the confidence that that gives you when you know that someone will literally bleed for you is huge. It's amazing. Huge. Let alone having 20 of those people in your life. You know what I mean? It's like I've got 20 guys mm-hmm. that have got my backs or anything. Is just, it gives you a different approach to life. Mm-hmm. Get a little bit of swagger. <laughs> I'd be really curious to know if there's been anything that you've received out of these uh, men's group that was very unexpected for you. Because I'm sure like going into a men's group called the Samurai Brotherhood, you, you kind of expect like, okay, I'm going to get this um, confidence, ability to share, support, everything you mentioned. Was there anything you received that you were like, holy shit, I wasn't expecting that out of this group at all and I received it? Uh, I don't I, like as you ask me these questions, I don't really go in too much with like an expectation. I have a very broad outlook on it you know and Mm -hmm. i'm like anything could happen because i've been in lots of experiences where just you're going with a fresh slate mind yeah and any anything happens and you're Mm -hmm. like well fuck all right like what's around the corner you know and i think that i'd say to take a different approach to your question come Mm -hmm. from that would be like what are some of the best benefits i've had from it that i've enjoyed the most would be that confidence from having the you know the those guys behind you and the ability to deepen my connection with my uh, partner, my girlfriend. And Mm -hmm. for me, that's like, I really look, have looked at relationships in the past as things that would hold me back or that would really be a detriment to my mission, my purpose and my path. And instead looked at it as a compliment to my life and mm-hmm. something positive. And I, um, this is my first like long-term relationship. Uh, so I think that has been something I've enjoyed the most. I think you had a podcast with a guest of yours two podcasts ago, Ben Goreski. Yeah, did you listen to that one? Yeah, I did listen to that oh, one. Really? It was incredible. He was from the same brotherhood, right? Yeah, different, yeah, yeah. different squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very cool. Because uh, I'm sure for any guys listening that are on this path of mastering their career or whatever area it is, like you were saying, the women thing can really feel like, oh, it's this obstacle or it's this extra grain of energy. Um, but it can really be a positive impact if you choose to integrate it like that. And I think that's a gr- that was a h- incredible podcast episode. And I really, I think like a lot of people just don't have the understanding of like masculine and feminine dynamics and polarity. Mm-hmm. And when you're in polarity with someone and you're in a, a harmonious relationship, like you gain more than you lose. And it's like, I used yeah. to feel like I was going to be drained um, when I would go to see my partner mm-hmm. and you know we were talking about the ejaculation thing in the earlier piece like mm-hmm. like I would feel like I was going to be drained mm-hmm. physically and emotionally and mentally and now that I we're quite polar opposites in our masculine and feminine dynamic and all people have masculine and feminine it's just a I guess a, a label to put on the energies 
that we have inside of us. Mix, you have a more dominant one versus less dominant one. You have more either dominant masculine side or more dominant feminine side. Yeah. 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 And like, you know, we, we have a really good energetic exchange. And mm-hmm. so I leave with a perspective and from an environment that I would not enter in my own space mm-hmm. and with the guys. Yeah. You know, like the guys totally like, yeah, let's go, let's be warriors, let's chop yeah, some yeah. shit down. You know, and it's like it allows me to be a bit softer and I, you know, get to express my masculinity in a way that's received differently than if I was expressing it to a guy mm-hmm. and those sort of things. And yeah, she's a really beautiful, beautiful woman. And I think that the learning that I've got from men's group and the education that I've done in my own life has allowed me to see what I can bring out in somebody else mm-hmm. by being in my fullest. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really empowering. That's really cool. You know, I think most people don't get that experience because I certainly wouldn't have unless I started doing this sort of that sort of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And to wrap it up to sales, because I know this is a sales specific podcast. Like, you, you got to think, guys. Like, if you go or dude, like, if you're listening, you've got to think like what that rebound effect is when you go out and you start making sales, and you have this experience with a person, just the same as when you have a when I have this group of guys that I know I've got my back, every single interaction I have with another human being is backed by 20 other people. And so when I go and I have this experience of in intimacy or you know self-exploration or softness that I wouldn't usually have or a difference of my expression, it allows me when I go back to my career or my sales or my work world to express myself differently, to be a little bit softer, to interact with someone from a different perspective. And that adaptability is another advantage, you know, if you want to look at it logically. Now, you mentioned sales, and I want to get into that right now too. So right now, we talked about your sales experience on its own. We talked about your personal development experience with the men's groups on its own. How do you view sales, door-to-door sales specifically, to integrate into this broader mission of warrior training for yourself? Yeah, like this is not a period of my life where I am, like I'm definitely out here to make money, but this is the training ground for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Like this is the best personal development that I've done because the learn to implement is so tight. It's like I learn sales training in the morning and then I implement it during the day. And I've done some wild ass fucking personal development shit and I've spent like a lot of money on that. But you go back to your normal life. Mm-hmm. That's why the men's groups are so powerful is because you go, you talk about a problem that's in your life or something that's going on or something you want advice on and then you go and you implement that the next day or you take action on it and you're held accountable to it. And so with the sales job, you get to learn and implement and you're learning human interaction. You're learning how people want to be treated. You're learning like the differences in personalities. You're learning how to convince someone to do something that's right for them. And if you get to do that like 300 freaking days of the year, instead of just learning something in a book and then you know implementing it a year later, wow, you're on a completely different level of growth. It's huge. And then the scoreboard is your sales. You can see how well you're implementing everything with the sales on the scoreboard, kind of like when you're playing football and you hit a rundown, touchdown, and you see it on the board. Mm. Uh, has there been any way that you've noticed you've changed in your daily life as a result of you doing sales, like being or acting or thinking differently specifically because you've been doing door-to-door sales? It made me, uh, 
I, I just like to. Life's just generally freaking better. Like you, because I'm interacting with people differently. Mm. I'm doing the things like I was really into, like cold approach pickup and that sort of stuff. And it's like you, let's say we always say like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go out like five days a week or like five nights a week and go practice pickup and you know practice meeting girls and mm-hmm. getting good at that sort of stuff. It's like I'm doing cold approach every single freaking day, and mm-hmm. I know that by having a multitude of human interactions, I'm gonna get better at my social skills, which is one of the core skills that we all need in life. Mm-hmm. So I think that it just has a massive improvement with the way that I have relationships with people and getting the things that I want in life. Like not being afraid to ask for more. We, we talked about this when yeah. I had you on and it's like, it's just being in a situation, you know, let's say you go, you stay at a hotel and you know, like I go to a hotel with my girlfriend and instead of being, okay, this is the room that I've got, whatever, I'm gonna go stay in this room. It's like, hey, you go to the clerk or the, you know, the girl at the county. Like, hey, hey, babe. Um, so my girlfriend, I just came down from Vancouver, and uh, we're just we're planning a romantic weekend away. It seems like you guys are really busy here this week. And she's like, yeah, it's really busy. She'll tell you something about herself and whatever. And then I just say, yeah, look, um, would it be completely ridiculous for us to just get a room upgrade and really have a romantic weekend? What, the fuck, what is the worst thing that happens? You know what I mean? What's the worst thing that happens? But most people are like, yeah, yeah. Like I, I challenge you to go and do that. Mm-hmm. Ask for your coffee for 10% off. That's huge. That's one of the best, the best exercises I've ever done in my life. It's so cool, right? So fun. So fun. And you just see the person just say, yeah. And okay. they, don't, they don't even usually ask, they don't even ask why like most of the time. They just like either say yes or no. They're like, uh, no, or they're like, uh, sure. Like, that, yeah. do that. And another great exercise in the coffee shop is buy coffee for the person behind you. Mm. Incredible, incredible. One time I did that and it led to fortune. Yeah, I bought coffee for the person behind me and then he had a person behind him. It was like, I'm gonna buy you coffee. And the person behind him bought the other person coffee. He got a four group of us and we just chatted about life afterwards. It's just insane. Yeah. It's insane. And like, I just made a lady's day in Whole Foods just by being uh, happy and having a chat to her and being like, yeah, it's crazy. Like most people, I've come from a pretty small town. Like most mm. people in Vancouver, you just don't really know the person behind the behind the store, behind yeah. the counter, you know? Like, how you doing? What's your name? <laughs> and she's just like just blown away that someone fucking talking to her instead of being like, yes, I want the barbecue chicken, please. And then there's fucking 20 seconds of silence. Do you know what I mean? Like imagine yeah. how different your life is when you fill a lifetime worth of 20 seconds of silence mm-hmm. a day. It's, it's, it's crazy. And the, your experience of life day to day is enhanced. And so much of that is attributed to doing it all. And, and you also said something else about uh, having a bigger bandwidth. Yeah. Have your yeah. brain open? I, yeah, I was wondering love if that. Had... I got that from Roberto. Yeah. So Roberto used to say like, he's like, once you would be like, hey, what's the script and all this sort of stuff. He's like, once you learn, he's like, why do we script? And he's like, once you learn the script or you learn what to say, or you start to learn about how, what people want to hear, how they want to be treated and all these things that take up mental space. Pardon me. All these things that take up mental space in your mind will free you up to pay attention to the other things like their body language are their pupils dilated are they looking around like they're bored are they trying to escape the situation like whatever or are they fully engaged with you and then you can really gauge like what is you can think in your mind while you're having a conversation what does this person need you're not thinking about what's the next thing to say 
like all this other small stuff, you, mm-hmm. you free up your, like I said, mental bandwidth, your capacity to respond to a situation rather than just reacting to the environment around you. And by having a high volume of interactions each and every day, you shorten that learning curve by years. It's crazy. It's so crazy. So crazy. Um, I'm also curious to know, and this will finish off after this with some finishing questions, but has sales in any shape or form revealed to you a bright side that you didn't know you had, or maybe a negative side that you didn't know you had and then you had to deal with? I think it's amplified both. Mm-hmm. It's just, amp- it's made like, I just be more myself. Like I am ridiculous and f- extra and I throw my arms around. I got long limbs and I'm large, tall, blonde, and like, you know, very up in people's face. And it's like, I just be that person. I'm enthusiastic. I love asking questions. I love figuring people out. Mm-hmm. And then it's also made me realize when I get triggered by something and like, I nearly punched this freaking 17 year old kid in the face because he was cool. like, he's like, my parents aren't here. And I was like, fuck you, your parents. Like, he was, I was like, okay, when would they be back? He's like, I don't know, dude. And I was just like, motherfucker, I'm going to knock you out. <laughs> and I just made me realize, I was like, wow, I really brought awareness to like, wow, why am I letting this 17 year old like trigger me? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what, he's 17 year old, dude, in the middle of nowhere. I'm probably never going to see again. Like, why is this getting to me? And so it's really amplified that negative trait in myself and allowed me to deal with it. Yeah. You know, I didn't actually punch the kid in the face or actually tell him, I was going to punch him in the face, but I could feel the energy inside of me mm-hmm. getting riled up. And so it really just brought awareness to like being more myself and also the things that express themselves in the moment, like negatively in the moment. Mm-hmm. And because again, I'm just doing that. I'm just doing such high volume of interactions. It allows me to, to potentially have that negative experience once a day for seven days I get a negative response from the person in front of me, so I'm able to change it. Instead of say having, let's say I have 50 interactions per day. So what's that? That's 255 days a week, mm-hmm. right? And then seven of those are bad interactions. Most people interact with four, five different people in their day. It may be 10 to 20. Like definitely not. Like not new people. They're definitely not new people. Yeah, they might be the people, same yeah. people in the office. They don't really interact with them, right? Yeah. That experience that I had seven times in one week might happen to them over a period of a year because they're not under as much pressure and they're just simply not having as many interactions. Mm-hmm. So they never pick up on it. All right, man, that's awesome. So let's finish it off with it's been our wow nice. Finish it off with some finishing questions. If you had one product, service, or idea, it could be either, you could sell to a million people or businesses, what would you want that idea, product, or service to be? Am I, I are they going to buy it? Like, let's say I, it, it will be sold, or I'm going to be pitching it to a million people. So the premise of this question is if you could catalyze a change, a positive change in the lives of a million people, uh-huh. that's what I mean by selling it. Yeah, then right? I, would, I would go back to what we spoke about at the start about like, uh, I'm pretty sure you said um, modulating my emotions, regulating my emotions throughout the day, or mm. regulating my state, controlling my state. Okay, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I feel like we're not looking at the external things in our lives that are causing us to feel like shit. We're just mm. like, oh, I feel like shit. I need to work more on like feeling happy and mentally using my willpower. Like, oh man, I am a proud motherfucker 
And I think that I have a lot of a strong willpower. And so I spend a lot of my life thinking that I can do things by myself without looking at people who've done it and getting them to tell me how they did it. And so I think going back to what I said at the start is like, what is the baseline? I think functional patterns has been a real eye opener for me in this regard is like, can you give a quick uh, elaboration of what functional patterns is? Yeah. So functional patterns is, uh, is a movement, uh, I guess, therapy, uh, exercise modality about putting your body in the best position to respond to its environment. And that being like gait, throwing, you know, twist, lunge, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But really respecting your biology in, in accordance to the environment. And so by having environmental stress that isn't necessary and then expecting us ourselves to just be able to get over it and, you know, work on my positivity and motivation and shit instead of actually looking at the root cause of what the fuck's going on, I think that is a good description of it, to be blunt. Cool. That, that is what I would love to sell to people. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So functional patterns, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. The, not necessarily just the movement, but the mindset behind it. Yeah. What is your favorite way to celebrate your successes? I... Take a bit of downtime and go on a trip to Portland. It was probably one of the best trips of my life because I worked really hard and I earned that. Uh, I've traveled a lot and even just going to the island last weekend with Bianca and yeah, Portland was just a cracker. Mm. That was just all time. I, I have a lot of success week by week. I don't really celebrate it very much. I like to have something to look forward to. It allows me to push myself and have a time crunch. Mm -hmm. When you think of the word successful, who comes to your mind and why? Mm, in one instance, Grant. Grant. Because he has so much in his life and he gave himself permission to be obsessed and he really took control in his life and has done so not just for himself but for other people. And so he has, he talks about having it all. He's like, why shouldn't I have it all? Fuck yeah. balance. <laughs> and then I would also think uh, my mentor, Dave, a guy's been an incredible influence in my life and it's, it's a very decisive and good man who wants other people to avoid the pitfalls that he had and have the experience of life that he had later in his life, earlier in their lives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's also a big believer and proponent. I don't think that's the right word. He talks about listening to people who are qualified and not just listening to people who are certified. Just because they're certified to teach something doesn't mean they're fucking qualified. Because there's a lot of BS qualifications. Yeah. And I think that's just like so crazy. All right, Josh, what is your most and least favorite type of pizza to eat? Uh, I don't eat gluten, so fuck pizza. <laughs> this next thing is called fill in the blank. I hate it when a customer says. I need to think about it. I love it when a customer says. Let's do this. I always feel great about the work I do when blank happens. 
I see someone's face light up and they get it. Mm. If I weren't doing sales right now, I'd be doing free diving. Free diving, cool. And my name is Josh Stittner, and I'm a legend. Fuck yeah. It was amazing to have you on the show, Legend. If people want to reach out to you and hear more about what you're doing, where can they go? Yeah, man, hit me up on Instagram. Uh, fuck, this sounds super egotistical after saying I'm a legend. Uh, so my Instagram is the Josh Dittmer. And yeah, just hit me up on, in the DM, slide all up in there, and I'll get back to you. You can check the podcast out at Live More Regret Less. That's everywhere you can find podcasts. And then the website is just joshdittmer.com. And yeah, I think the podcast is a great place to start if you're looking for relationship, leadership, and you know whether that's in your life or leading others and enhancing your life by listening to people who have already done what you want to do. And yeah, Instagram is probably the best way to hit me up. I like that. I love chatting to people uh, on there. Just video message me, send me, a, send me a text or whatever and we can, we can have a chat. All right, man. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming by. We had good times. All right. Cheers. Hey, what is up again? Thank you so much for checking that out. Now, if you want to leave me any sort of thoughts, reviews, anything that you had about this episode or anything else in general about the podcast, feel free to reach me at the S word on Instagram. That's the period S period word period podcast or if you just type in the space S space word, it'll pop up. Leave me, uh, give me a DM on there or just leave a review under iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to this stuff. Let me know what you think and would love to hear your thoughts on where you want this podcast to go, what sort of guests you want to see. So please let me know. Have an incredible day and until next time.